Hey, I'm glad you're here this morning. We've been going through uh, 1 Timothy, which is a letter that uh, Paul wrote to Timothy. Paul's in Colossa, Timothy's in Ephesus. There's just chaos that is happening in Ephesus, and Timothy's like pulling his hair out, like, what do I do? What do I do? And so Paul has written this letter to him to kind of say, hey, everything that I've taught you, you know, you know this, you know this, trust it, trust it, let it happen. And last week he said, this is what it actually looks like when it plays out. So he dealt with a lot of behavior and stuff like that. But I, I hope that you got from last week that it wasn't, you have to behave this way. It's literally, when you walk by the Spirit, this is what it looks like. This is how it plays out. And so, hopefully you got that. Uh, it was, oh, here comes the Shreve family. They'll fill in for the Haywards. So there we go. Perfect timing. Perfect timing. In Arkansas... Go, uh, go Hogs. Nice. Um, I, I, I was talking to my wife, imagine that, um, but I was saying that I think the boomer generation, which I'm on the back end of the, the end of the boomer generation, I'm not that old, um, but uh, the boomer generation has a lot harder time filtering things. Because, like, and I've said this here recently before, uh, when we grew up, there were three TV networks, ABC, CBS, and NBC, and that was it. Well, PBS, when nobody ever watched that. Uh, And then you got the newspaper in the morning, in Tulsa we got in the morning and the evening newspaper. Uh, You had your curriculum books in school, and basically everything that you read, everything that you heard, everything that you saw, you believed. Like, it was truth. Like, I grew up thinking, yeah, this is all true. This is the way it happened. And now it's not that way. I mean, it it is, is not that way at all. So now I've had to learn as a older, mature person how to filter this world that is full of truth but full of lies. And deceit, like it's on my phone. It's 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 everywhere. And so I think this younger generation, this newer generation, with them being saturated with deception, they've they've just grown up learning how to filter, and they're still learning. You're probably going to be learning the rest of your life. Like like literally, when uh, my my dad will open up an email you know you believe the email right but then all of a sudden you realize that it's spam and that you know they're coming in to like hack your accounts and stuff like that so you you can't even trust the things that you thought you could trust so now you have to like be careful about everything and you have to filter everything is this true? Is this is this an opinion? Is this an agenda? What it, what 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 is this? 
And I think this is where pretty much Paul is saying to Timothy is, Timothy, you, you, you have to filter. He says, 1 Timothy 4, verse 1, he says, Now the Spirit explicitly says, this, this is obviously a previous prophecy that Paul has received. Now the Spirit explicitly says, if the Spirit's speaking to Paul, and he says this directly, Paul's repeating to Timothy, that in later times, now later times, we can sit here and argue about what, it, what is later times. Is it the end of the world? Is it uh, 70 AD when the Romans came in and destroyed the temple? Uh, is it just after now? He says that in later times, some will depart from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and the teachings of demons, though the hypocrisy of liars whose consciences are seared. Uh, if the word apostasy is basically means those that depart from the faith. Now, uh, I'm very sensitive to this teaching. One, because I'm a pastor, and I, I, I think that I approach it from the, the same approach that God has. I want all people to be saved, Right? I want all people to be in heaven. So coming from my perspective, one of the most difficult things to do for a pastor is to do a funeral when you don't know the person's faith walk. You know, it's like, it's like how, how do you explain uh, where they are? Uh, and a, friend, a pastor friend of mine said to me, the best way to do it is like, hey, what, if Rusty was the funeral what Rusty would want you to know now is this. doesn't matter, you know, what the... And I, I just thought that was a great thing, but as a pastor, you want the whole world. Jesus loved the world, so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So, uh, let, let me talk about those who depart from the faith. What he's talking about, I'm, I'm pretty sure, is those that believe... If I go back to Genesis chapter 15, it says Abraham was credited righteousness because he believed in God. How, how did Abraham, before Jesus, years, years, years before Jesus, receive his salvation? It was because he just simply believed. He, he didn't come forward during the altar call and kneel at the altar and say a prayer and ask Jesus into his heart and ask him to forgive him of his sins and all those things that we've so grown up to, to know. He simply said he believed in God. He believed that there was a Messiah that was to come and to save the world. And so I literally take that word in Genesis and go, for those that believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and that he came and died for our sins, past, present, and future. And that he was, blood was poured out for the forgiveness of our sins. He was buried, he rose again, sits at the right hand of the Father, and now they've sent this spirit to live, live in us. If you believe that, if you believe, just like Abraham, you have salvation. 
It's not based upon, it's not, like, like Matt was saying, it's not based upon what you do. It's based upon who you are and you just need to be. It's not based upon coming here on Sunday mornings, going to church every week, sitting in Bible studies. I think those things will naturally do as you be. Those things will naturally happen to you. I, I, my brother, as you know, uh, took his life about 18 months ago. And as a child, he was raised in a home that taught him Jesus and he believed in Jesus. And he became a child of God. And then as he got older, he kind of like, kind of, he, he did. He walked away from his faith, denying it. But I've always understood the word and the 66 books that are in here that you can't lose your salvation. If Corey, my son, or Chloe, my daughter, decided to divorce us as parents, which I understand you're legally able to do in some states, they're still my kids. If they denied me as their parent, there's nothing that they can change from them being my kids. And I believe it's that way if our belief in God... Now, there's times when uh, you come to you you come to faith, and maybe that's all you do. It's like getting a it's like getting a bottle of water and and never opening it and drinking it. I believe that happens. That people have gotten the bottle of water, have gotten salvation, and they've they've never really like taken hold of it. They've just kind of said it there. I, I can't, I'm not in question about whether they've received salvation or not. That's not my job. Don't ask me. Don't ever ask me if somebody, you think somebody's saved. <laughs> I have no idea. It's not my deal. That's the Lord's deal. But I think there's times when you, you, you've seen it in here. We've got family members in here that have loved Jesus and pursued Jesus and everything. And then all of a sudden, they they're chasing what we say chasing their flesh their own self go through a season of chasing your own flesh and you can do that for a while and you can see where it gets you it's probably most likely the there's a high percentage that you're going to end up in some kind of crisis mode and you go okay chasing my flesh doesn't necessarily work and you come back to walking by the spirit that's just part of the journey so we there can be this season of walking by the flesh so many times you'll see people just walking in and out of the spirit walking by the flesh where's the line there is no line I'm not I didn't draw a line and it's not my line anyway Warren Wiersbe is a guy that I, I like reading about he says this a, a, a true church seeks to win converts to Jesus Christ and to build them spiritually. Conversely, a cult proselytizes, steals converts from others, and makes them servants, even slaves, of the leaders of the cult. However, not all apostates are in cults. Some of them are in churches and pulpits teaching false doctrine and leading people astray. 
Wow, that's pretty strong. That's pretty strong. Uh, and you've seen it. You've, you've watched it happen in the church. Uh, pastors can manipulate the audience to get whatever they want, to lead them, to direct them. And I really think this is what Paul is saying to Timothy, is like, you, you've got to be able to separate the truth from the deceit and the false teachings that are going on. Stick to what we've known. Now, uh, I think the evil one, the evil one loves it when we play church. I think he loves it when we focus on behavior and trying to teach you how to like walk by this certain Christian standard. I think he loves it because he knows that you can't do it. And then, and then the world sees it, and they begin to call us, you know, hypocrites. And the world goes, I don't want any part of that. I, I don't want it. So I think the evil one is okay with a mediocre church. I think he is. But for those that are like walking by the Spirit uh, and pursuing the Lord, ju- just know that he, he's going to mess with you. He's going to mess with you. Uh, and the other thing is, is in plain church, I don't think there's any freedom there. I think there's a, we call it legalism, but you get bound up in that whole thing. And uh, and I'll say this, uh, I played that game for a long time, many years. I was taught how to grow a church, how to like entertain teenagers and then present the gospel and get them to come down here and say a prayer and we count the numbers and things like that. And I don't question, I don't question their salvation. I don't. Things that happen, God can use that for sure. But imagine if they heard the good news and that was it. That was it. We tell people the good news and they receive salvation and then all of a sudden we put them on a ministry team. <laughs> and we add them to uh, committees and we give them titles. We give them responsibilities. We give them expectations and obligations. We have them sign covenants that says that you'll come on Sundays and that you'll tithe and you'll give and you'll do this and this is what the church does. And it's like, I don't see this anywhere in the scripture. It, it doesn't say that. We've become professional church planners with good intentions, with good intentions, but it's the wrong purpose. And I think the evil one absolutely loves this. He loves mediocrity. He loves when we play church. Now, uh, let's, let's just be honest here. Uh, Leavener's pretty much been the same size for a long time. There's no intentions of playing church and growing this thing. Yeah, we could we could go build a building and we could play the game and we could make our, our numbers really big. I, I didn't expect it to be this big. I didn't expect this many people to show up. 
But when crisis comes, when crisis comes, you typically uh, turn your head, turn your head to me or others in the room with wisdom and trust. Um, Stacy called me at 4:40 on Thursday. She called me at 4.40 on Thursday, and she's crying. Oh, Lord. You you get these phone calls, and it's like, she was a mess. And as you heard in the prayer time, Sven has got his trip that he takes. He's taking his son Chase with him this time, and, and Brad, his partner, and they've taken some guys, and they go out to Utah and uh, they walk the canyons, and they basically spend a week out there. And Stacy says to me that uh, Sven and them sent an emergency signal from their emergency phone because they don't have they don't have uh, signals from their cell phones. Two days ago, to be evacuated, and I just got a phone call at work from Brad's wife saying. They've asked for an emergency evacuation two days ago, and we haven't heard from them. And literally, the people are searching for them, and they can't find them. As soon as she gets that out, I just immediately start praying for her. And then I'm just like, Stacy, Sven's done this many years. He knows what he's doing. He's not going to put those guys in harm's way. The emergency teams are going to find them. They're going to do their job. We just have to sit and wait. Do it. And you go through the whole whole thing. Well, do I tell my kids? No, nope, just wait till you get more information. Da, 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 they'll freak out. Da, da, da. And you hang up the phone and you're just like going, oh my gosh. Like, at my, in my house, the power of sin, just all these thoughts just started going through my head. What if Sven dies and Chase is alive? What if Chase dies and Sven I mean, you you have no idea, but that's what the evil one does. He just like sends, and Stacy, she had 10 times worse than I was. And so you're, you're consumed by this, and then you start Googling. <laughs> you start Googling all the news, and literally uh, there's reports a day old of three three people from Florida that were in the same area, and two of them died, and one of them survived. And now they're looking for another group of 10 people. And you're, the Google thing just ramps everything up. Stop Googling. I mean, it's like, I know that's what we normally do, but like we hear about sickness or illness and we start Googling things. But it, it's, uh, my counselor friend calls it the devil's information because it just causes everything to ramp up. And it did. It caused everything to like ramp up. And so for the next two hours, we're like, consumed by this and at 6 30 uh i'm now at small group with my uh friends and i get a phone call and stacy says we just got a text that says everyone's safe they're on high ground they're waiting to be evacuated and it's like all of a sudden you can breathe you still don't know what's happened what's going on anything like that you just have this one text message that says they're okay 
And then uh, in my small group, this is, this is the crazy thing. This is kind of the cool thing. This is the way God works. But we're watching The Chosen, season three, episode three. And uh, Jesus is in there reading a scripture in the tabernacle. And they question him. And he, said, he literally says, I didn't come for your future. I came from re- for your salvation. And right then my, my phone buzzes and I look down and Stacy texts me and says, rescued. So they've literally been driving for two days, and what time did you get home? Midnight last night, so uh, both the guys are here this morning, uh, and we're thankful. That's the drama. That's the drama that could have been crisis. At the time, it was a crisis, but now it's just pure drama, and you have a story to tell the rest of your life. Right, Chase? (laughs) Not talking about it anymore? Uh. But Stacy, I appreciate the fact that you called and that you trusted me uh, with the information, Michelle and I, and allowed us to pray for you. And I think this is what Paul is literally saying to Timothy, is be, be prepared, be prepared to do ministry, to speak truth. Because... Honestly, you know, we can sit here and play church all we want. But th- it's about life. It's about being being together and being in community. And uh, obviously, she could have called anybody. Could have called. There's many people that get called besides me in this room when crisis happens. I get that you need your hand held. I need my hand held too at times. And I only have two hands. The body of Christ has many. And I believe that's what this room right here is. You have the same spirit that I have. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same spirit that lives in your mortal body. And if we continue to play church, we consciously play into the devil's hand. I don't want to play church anymore. And verse 3 says this, says uh, they forbid marriage and demand abstinence from foods that God created to be received with gratitude by those who believe and know the truth. <laughs> so now Paul is, is literally specifically naming out the things that they're doing and they're teaching false. They were demanding celibacy and for young wind- widows not to remarry. 
they were sticking to laws of food that were what's clean and unclean, what can you, they, they literally make up these laws and Paul's like saying, Timothy, just remember what the truth is and what the main thing is. What the main thing is. It says verse four, for everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving since it is sanctified by the word of God and by prayer. He's literally saying, God gave us these things. It's all about your attitude. It's all about your spirit, how you do things. If you want to add rules, you can add rules. Wasn't intended to be that way. You, you realize that God created this world and never intended for death to be a part of it. Never intended for it to be. But obviously sin entered in the world and now we're having to learn how to walk by the Spirit and thankful for a Messiah that came. He says in verse 6, if you point these things out to the brothers and sisters, you'll be a good servant of Christ Jesus, nourished by the words of faith and the good teaching that you have followed. Let me tell you about my exciting, that was Thursday, but let me tell you about my exciting Friday night, St. Patrick's Day. I sat at home on the couch. We fixed a nice meal. I was watching basketball and baseball. And Michelle was sitting in the recliner listening to Bible studies. That was our exciting St. Patrick's Friday night at home at the Kennedys. But if you would know that my wife, Michelle for weeks now, has been saying, what are we going to teach in the women's Bible study? What are we going to teach in the women's Bible study? And she's literally listened to teacher after teacher after teacher going, and she finally goes, okay, I, I think I've settled on one teacher, one teacher that I want to use. But listen to this. So and this continued on until Saturday. So like yesterday, uh, I was finished studying. I was getting ready to shower and get cleaned up. And she's like, listen to this. And the teacher that she had chose was talking about how she was trying to get uh, a, a young new believer to memorize the Sermon on the Mount. And I'm like, well, what's the purpose of memorizing the Sermon on the Mount? And she said, because it's, it's Jesus's, Jesus's words that this is what we live by. And I'm just like going, oh man, this is the teacher you're choosing? <laughs> uh, and then I'm like, it's all right. You can choose that because it will lead to great discussions within your group. It will lead to great discussions. And it's kind of like I had studied for today and... Now, Michelle's like presenting me with this, and I literally was just going off about things, about this whole filtering thing that you have to filter. Because here, here's the thing about the Sermon on the Mount, just to tell you briefly. Uh, it's Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, and Jesus is speaking. He's speaking uh, to a wide range of people in the audience. At this point, he's already done some miracles, 
he, he had healed a leper, which no one had ever done before. And it caused the leadership of the Jews to follow Jesus and to watch him. Because they knew if this actually happened, if this actually happened, then this could be the Messiah. But this Jesus guy that was born in Bethlehem, raised in Nazareth, and son of a carpenter and everything else, things we talk about, it's like they didn't want him to be the Messiah. So they're following him, and they're part of the group, and they don't want him to be the one. But then there's others that have like watched him do these miracles, and they go, he's the Messiah. He's the Messiah. So this is the audience of the Sermon on the Mount. You have to know that. You have to know the, the context of that. And then you get into the red letters, and he starts going through the, the Beatitudes, and he, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. They all shall inherit the earth. Those are all beautiful things. They're beautiful attitudes, and they're, they're great words, and it, it makes sense. But then he says, you, you've heard it said that when you're asked for a shirt, to give them your shirt and also your cloak. You've heard it said when someone slaps you on the cheek, give them the other cheek. You've heard it said when someone says go one mile, I say go two miles. In other words, these red letters that Jesus is saying, he's literally saying, the Pharisees have said this. They've come up with their own rules and laws called the Mishnah, which is the oral law, which, which is a good, they thought it was a good thing to help them protect themselves because they've gone through so much in their lives. They have this big, thick book called the Mishnah, and they just made all these rules. And so Jesus is now quoting the Pharisees. If you've heard, you've heard it said, go one mile, I say go two. He's literally doubling what the Pharisees have said. If they say do this, I'm doubling down on what they said. And we read it because it's red letters and we go, oh, that's what Jesus said, so that's what we're supposed to do. Well, the whole reason Jesus said that is because he wanted to prove that you can't do it. That's the whole reason he said it. Like, the Pharisees made all these laws. They couldn't even keep up with the laws. And he's like, well, if you can't keep up with their laws, I'm going to double their laws because I want you to see that you can't do this. Everything that Matt was saying is like, you, you can't do this Christian life. You can't. You can't do it. Try it. Try to live by the Sermon on the Mount. Try to live by the Ten Commandments. Just, just try it. Good luck. Because we've all in this room tried to do it. And he gets to the point where he says, where he basically says, okay, I, we've proven that you can't do this, so I'm going to die for you. I've done it perfectly. I've lived this out perfectly. I'm going to die, as we said earlier, and I'm going to send this spirit inside of you, and you're going to have this holy living God inside of you, and he's going to live your life for you. And you don't have to worry about the law. You don't have to worry about the Sermon on the Mount. If you just pursue the spirit timothy if you just teach them to pursue the spirit follow the spirit let they have to learn about the spirit know the spirit the more they know them the more they'll follow and the more they'll have discussions about it in public the more all these things and so 
yeah, why can't the women's Bible study have a discussion like that? If she says, learn the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah. Know the context. We have to be able to filter it for it to make sense. And then verse 7 he says, but have nothing to do with pointless and silly myths. That would be the Mishnah. Rather, train yourself in godliness. Learn. Learn what it means to walk by the Spirit. For the training of the body has limited benefit, but godliness is beneficial in every way since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. It's like the Spirit wants to do this for you and it's going to be an incredible life. We have to filter everything that is a resource now. Because I'm not looking for a watered-down truth or false teachings that is weaved into truth. I'm very protective of this platform and what goes out from this microphone. We went to see our friends Mercy Me last night. And I said to, to Dale Speckman, I'm like, it's one of the only bands that I can like listen to that I don't have to filter they sing the same thing that we teach. They sing it. The acts before them, you know, I'm sitting there filtering things and going, oh man. Uh, but we have to filter. You're not going to walk through this world and hear this truth alone. You're going to hear good things. You're going to hear this people talk about the Sermon on the Mount. You're going to hear the red letters. You're going to hear all these things, and you have to be able to like filter these things, and this is literally what he's saying to Timothy. Know the Spirit. Know the Spirit. He says, This saying is trustworthy and deserves full acceptance. For this reason we labor and strive, because we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. He, he doesn't say, hey, you're going to sit here and do nothing. He, 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 does, he says, for this reason, we labor and strive. He doesn't say that we're going to do programs either. He doesn't. He says that we're going to be a minister to the people. We're going to teach them truth. We're going to walk with them hand in hand. We're going to take the phone calls and minister them in a time of crisis. Verse 11, he says, command and teach these things. Don't let anyone despise your youth. Timothy was his young mentor. Young. That's why Timothy's like saying, Paul, I don't know what to do. He's like, don't let anyone despise your youth, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Everything that you do, Timothy, it's that whole what he said in chapter 3, be above reproach. Think about people are watching you. Speak love, speak truth. He says, until I come, give your attention to public reading, exhortation, and teaching. Go, go do it, go talk about it. Jesus, speak the truth. Because obviously there's, there's false teachers out there that are wanting to saturate good, good things, good things inside the message. 
It looks good from the outside. But man, it's leading them down this path of legalism. And they can't win at it. They can't. He says, don't neglect the gift that is in you. Don't neglect the, what is that gift? It's the spirit of God in Timothy. It was given to you through prophecy with the laying on of hands by the council of elders. They affirm, Timothy, that you're a teacher, that you can speak clearly this truth. They affirm you. They've encouraged you. Go, go do it. He says, practice these things. Be committed to them so that your progress may be evident to all. Pay close attention to your life and to your teaching. Persevere in these things. For in doing this, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Now, I talked about my small group on Thursday night. Um, When I left my previous church and was bouncing around before we started Leavener, I actually started attending this same small group. It was it was together uh, before Levener was, and our leader at the time, his name was Joe Harding. Some of you remember Joe in this room. But we would meet for dinner at six thirty, and and uh, that's the best thing for a small group is eating together. They'll actually show up if you provide food. So we've been doing this, uh, what now, uh, 16 years, our small group. And we get together and like circle up, we pray together as a family. Sometimes there'd be as many as like 40 people there. Right now it's probably about 15 to 20. And at 7.25, Joe, I called him Father Joe, uh, he would begin passing out this list of questions that he had emailed that week. He comes up with like 10 questions of whatever we were studying. And then at 7.30, we would like uh, circle around Father Joe, and he greeted us. Greetings from the Walmart parking lot, because his condo is right there next to Walmart. And then in response... You know, we would say greetings from, I would always say the HSE parking lot because my house lives right behind HSE. And then he would proceed to tell a joke. Here's the joke for the week. Then he would read the Bible. Then we would process what it said by using the questions that he prepared in advance. And then when it was over, We prayed together. We mentioned our concerns and praises and we just prayed together. And Father Joe, he modeled for me and my friends 1 Timothy chapter 4. He lived that life. And I can't wait to hear greetings from heaven. Father Joe. So Lord, I, 
I thank you for um, the models that I have in my life. Um, the teaching over the many, many years of teaching not only the good, but teaching the truth of your word. That because of your spirit living inside of me and my friends here that we can take your word and we can filter it. We can see the truth for what it is. And we're going to trust that, trust that you live in us and that you are teaching us and that you are guiding us and that we learn to walk by the spirit. So that's my prayer for my friends here today. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.